Sass Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SaaS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome everyone to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CMOs and CEOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Jen Lever, who leads account-based marketing at Bizarre Voice, a SaaS that helps brands and retailers to grow revenue by leveraging user-generated content. Before we get started, Jen, please tell our listeners a little bit about you and what Bizarre Voice does. Yeah. Thank you for the intro. That was great. You pretty much covered it. I've been in the marketing space a little over a decade now. I've worked with B2C brands, B2B brands. I've been on the agency side, on client side. So you name it in the marketing space, I've done it. Moving into the B2B side of the world, I was introduced to ABM about six years ago. And to me, it just really resonated in terms of the strategy. And just, it makes so much sense for B2B brands to be leaning into this framework and this go-to-market motion. So it's one that I've really leaned into and have been able to implement at a few companies at this point. So it's been a really fun journey. And in terms of Bizarre Voice, like you mentioned, we provide e-commerce brands with the ability to showcase user-generated content both on their e-com sites and then across all of their retail partners. We get to work with some of the top brands across the world. So brands like Unilever, Nestle, L'Oreal, Nike, and so many other really cool companies to partner with. That's awesome. And ABM makes a lot of sense here. If you can identify who your top customers and prospects are, you can really focus your energies on them. And that's going to be the topic of the podcast is how do we take advantage of an account-based orientation for our marketing and customer success, right? Absolutely. So when you came into the company, you mentioned that ABM was not really working too well. And I guess that makes sense. You were brought in to write the ship. Can you kind of set the table for us and what was happening and the kind of problems you saw with ABM? Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, we had done ABM in the past, but it was very ad hoc. It was more so around a particular product launch where we would identify maybe top 20 accounts that we wanted to go after. The sales enablement process was very manual. So the sales team didn't really one, understand the value of ABM other than marketing, just giving them a list to target and outreach to. And we also didn't have a really streamlined way to scale it across both our SMB and enterprise accounts. Looking at it through the acquisition and grow and retain lens. So when I came on board, first step was to bring on an ABM tool to help us tap into intent data and engagement data. So we could really identify which accounts are truly in market versus which ones we just think might be a good fit for Bizarre Voice, right? So really leaning into the data side of things to help determine which accounts should make that strategic list. And then using that same data and those insights to enable our sales team, right? So the way that I think about ABM 
ABM, I'm actually starting to think of it through the lens of ABX, right? Because it goes beyond the marketing motion. It includes the sales interactions. It includes the customer success interactions. It includes how product is thinking about activating these accounts and how we continue to evolve our solutions to really touch on and speak to the pain points that our key top personas are trying to solve for. So at that point, I feel like it goes beyond just being a marketing motion and it's really fully baked into your go-to-market strategy as an organization, we start to move into that ABX model. So wanted to build out the tech stack to support that from the marketing side and also the sales enablement side, and then find a way for us to scale our campaigns, not only in North America, but across our global regions as well. So it's a really interesting nuance that you kind of surfaced for me, and I just want to sort of underline it, which is that product-led growth companies, they talk a lot about flipping their funnel or having an integrated view between acquisition and success and customer lifetime value. And it looks like this might be a framework to allow enterprise approach that same kind of integrated view of the life cycle of prospect and customer. I don't know if you've thought about it that way, but I'm wondering if it resonates for you. Absolutely. I think that when you look at your customer base, that's your low-hanging fruit, right? That is your easiest area for growth. And I feel like you should still consider your customers as prospects. If one, they haven't bought into every solution that you offer, there's white space opportunity. And two, to make sure that you're retaining those customers year over year. It's not a one and done sort of interaction or relationship that you have with your customer base. It goes on throughout the entire life cycle. And that's when you start to look at ABM outside of just the lens of, okay, let's drive revenue growth, but let's also figure out how are we creating a community with our current customer base? How are we using that community to identify our best in class customers to build on the advocacy side of the house and then use that advocacy to help feed the beginning of the funnel and just have that full flywheel effect with your customer base to help bring on those net new logos. So I think it definitely does come full circle. That's awesome. I also want to talk just a little bit about account-based experience. Maybe we can kind of define that a little bit and talk about it in terms of the context of being an evolution out of ABM. Yeah. So like I mentioned before, I feel like ABM is when you start as an organization to look at, okay, we need to start treating our strategic accounts differently than we treat every account that's within our ICP or within our TAM. And when you start to involve those other teams across the organization, so sales and CS, and you start to look at, okay, what does every touch point look like for this account? And how do we make it personalized? And how do we make it tailored to them? Then you start to move beyond it just being a marketing motion. And it starts to become, how are you moving these accounts through the funnel? How are you continuing to grow and retain these accounts if they're already customers with all of those other levers being pulled in tandem, right? So it goes beyond that marketing motion. It's starting to involve sales, customer success, PMK, and every touch point that you're putting that account through. And when you're looking at it through that lens, it's no longer just that single, oh, marketing is doing this thing in a silo and they're just running really targeted ads. It becomes a critical part of your organization's go-to-market strategy. So that's the way I look at it is it, it starts to move beyond that marketing motion and starts to incorporate those other teams across the organization to really make sure that we're creating that tailored custom experience for those accounts across every touch point they have with us. So that's a beautiful vision and it makes perfect sense. But when you came in, ABM had a bad reputation. So how did you work through the organization to get alignment around those concepts? How did you get the stakeholders in your organization to join you in this journey? 
One of the things I did was I had to look at it from how do I get my sales team on board and how do I get sales leadership on board? Because marketing traditionally is probably one of the first teams that's on board with ABM. They get it. They're like, yep, this makes total sense. This is super smart. Why haven't we done this? The hard sell is with sales because it also requires a lot of change management to get them on board, especially if you're coming from a lead-based model and you're moving into an account-based model. So what I did is when we onboarded our ABM software, I created a pilot program. So I joined one of, we have like a global gongs where the full sales team, full marketing team, full rev org comes together. And I had a five minute slot to sell <laughs> this ABM tool to sales. And I basically said, look guys, I can give you the data to show you exactly where to fish and what to use as bait in your messaging to your accounts. I can tell you which accounts are actually in market and ready to have a conversation before they fill out a form on our website. And so created kind of a lottery system for those sales reps to opt in and volunteer to be a part of this pilot program. So they got early exclusive access to this tool. There are about 16 of them in the group and our sales force is a little under 200. So a lot of folks raising their hands to be a part of this. So you created some excitement and a little bit of self-selecting the people that want to innovate. That's a great idea. Absolutely. And so that helps you identify who your sales friendlies are. It also helps identify who your top performers are on the sales team because you want to make sure that they're really going to lean into this tool and not just look at it as an easy out for them to make their quota or make their numbers or reach their activity numbers for the week. And so once you started having that sales team on board in that pilot and you could show that they were able to open up doors quicker, they were able to set meetings more quickly, they were able to open up opportunities and those opportunities were actually closing. Then we had that internal advocacy start to spread across the sales team. So at that point, I was having my sales team sell to sales. And it was also helping kind of create that sense of FOMO across the sales org too. Of, hey, they're closing X amount in revenue. Why don't I have access to it? How do I get my hands on that goodness? So that was the way that we approached it at Bizarre Voice. And then it just really took off from there. I love that organic way of getting sales engaged in the process. That's very cool. Yeah. Another important note to make on starting with a pilot, especially when you're coming into an organization where they haven't done ABM before, there's going to be change management involved and there's going to be a lot of kinks that you need to work out along the way. So when you're able to test that with a smaller group and really streamline that process, leverage them to understand how are you using the data? What's working? What's not? Let's build out dashboards and let's make sure that it's actionable for you as a salesperson, that helps you create a very streamlined rollout for the wider sales org rather than just throwing it out there to the masses and then triaging everything else that might come back in. So that was another way for us to work out those kinks before rolling it out more broadly. I want to talk a little bit more about that rollout and measurement. And so you hinted at it in terms of things that were outcomes of the program, but I'm wondering what are the KPIs that matter now to you and how did you influence the organization to look at measuring different things as important as form fills, right? So you're away from the MQL. How did you get the organization to come along on that ride with you? I think that's a really important point. And I think something that a lot of organizations miss when they're rolling out ABM, because ABM is such an exciting topic. When people are talking about launching ABM, they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to close so many deals. We're going to earn so much revenue. And it doesn't work like that overnight. And so I think it's really important to make sure that you level set on expectations. And the way that I like to back into it is like, I look at it through, okay, what are our short-term KPIs? What are our early wins? What should we be looking for as indicators of success? So I still look 
look at things like what does our click-through rate look like? What does our impressions look like? Are we getting in front of the right accounts? Is our message resonating? How is that translating into website engagement? Are they starting to move from just engaging with our resources and starting to engage more with product pages or solution pages? What does that journey look like? We also leverage content experiences that we make custom for specific accounts, whether it's trying to upsell a particular product or industry specific or what have you. So we also want to look at what does that engagement look like from a content perspective? Are we seeing them start to read and engage with more content? How long does that engagement last? Who are the people who are actually engaging with it? Are we still just reaching our influencers? Are we starting to reach more of our decision makers, our VP level, our C-suite, director level folks? And then with that engagement, I start to look at it through the lens of how many net new contacts are we starting to create? Who are those people that are those net new contacts that are coming into our database for sales to start to reach out to? And then from those contacts, what does that sales engagement look like? And then how do we look at that from meeting set? So those are kind of all early KPIs. Then we start to move into the full funnel metrics because you're not going to have pipe generated and opportunities created and close one revenue right off the bat either. Looking at it from the early wins, moving into the full funnel metrics, then you can start to look at those later stage sales funnel metrics, like pipe generated opportunities created, average deal size, deal velocity, things of that nature. So you can actually, in a large sales force like that, you can actually test the impact, right? You can get statistically relevant insights in terms of the account performance, right? We can. And the other thing that I also like to do as an A-B test is look at things through having a group of accounts that we are targeting actively versus a control group. So they're lookalike accounts, firmographically, demographically, they all look the same, but some of them are in our active campaigns and they have that active sales outreach happening in tandem with marketing. And then others are just kind of sitting out there, not getting the same level of love that some of our target accounts are. And so when you're able to actually look at how are we moving accounts through the funnel, the ones that we're actually targeting versus the ones that are sitting in the control group, you can show that lift. And I think that's also a really important way to look at it. So you can show how you're moving the needle forward. And it's not just everything kind of being lumped into one target account list or one segment. Awesome. We'll come back to that because I know you had a case study you wanted to touch on briefly. But so you have sales involvement, but I think in the prep session, you also talked about much higher level involvement within your organization. Can you shed some light on what you're doing and why you're doing? It. Yeah. So again, you can have sales involved, but if you don't have that support from the top down, it's going to fall flat. And so one of the things that I worked really hard to do is to make sure that I had biweekly syncs with sales leadership, both on the SMB side and the enterprise side, and then our global revenue leaders as well, just to have a touch base. Sometimes it's just us getting together and just talking about life. And then sometimes it's us actually getting into the weeds of the metrics and campaign success and who's going to be on our list for our next one-to-one account and things of that nature. So it's really important to make sure that you establish those relationships, both on the business side and also just on the personal side, just like you would in sales, right? So that to me, that is my target audience that I need to make sure that I continue to to keep engaged. So having those ongoing syncs, sharing the data, sharing the insights that you're seeing from the success of your campaigns helps keep them excited and also helps them understand the value that ABM is bringing to the table when you have that sales and marketing motion running alongside each other. In the prep session, you also mentioned that you're having your C-suite engage with customers at that same level. Is that something you also test the impact of? 
Yes. So when it comes to our strategic one-to-one accounts, typically those campaigns are reserved for our enterprise level accounts. And what we try to do is match make stakeholders from our side to C-level stakeholders on the account side. So we do a lot of research around the account. We want to understand what are they saying in their annual review calls? What are they saying out in the public? So what is the press saying? Are there any interviews? Can we pull any sort of messaging or any tidbits that the CMO at X company is saying? that we could leverage in the way that we approach them. So that way we're aligning our partnership to their business goals. We also do a deep dive on the industry as well, just to understand trends and how that might be affecting the decisions they're making on their end. And then we tailor that and bake that into custom assets that our C-suite uses as door openers or as ways to engage with the C-suite on the account side. So things like custom e-brochures or e-books that feature um, the stakeholders on the account side, personalized videos from Um, our CMO or CEO that they're sending directly to their counterparts at the account. So there's a lot of different ways that we engage. We also do intimate events like sales VIPs, lunch and learns, things of that nature, just to help build those relationships with some of those higher ups and, and make those connections. I think that's awesome. It's good to just reveal a little bit of that because I think it's too easy to just see it as a technology play within the marketing organization. It's really a holistic relationship with your clients and prospects. It's the same way that I look at how I activate my sales team, right? There's a way that I activate my day-to-day sales reps. And then there's a way that I activate and engage with my sales leadership. It's the same way with the account because you have to have that top-down approach and you've got to pull different levers based on the audience that you're trying to get in front of and move the needle forward with. It's awesome. One of the things that was touched on in the prep session was the idea that lead generation doesn't go away. Demand generation doesn't go away. I think there's potential for people to feel threatened when ABM is introduced into an organization. Can you speak briefly about the synergies that you see among the main activities of a marketing organization that's deeply invested in ABX? Yeah. When you think about marketing holistically, you really need to understand what does the intersection look like between brand demand and advocacy? And all of those have a place in the marketing function and demand gen and looking at things from a lead basis. I don't believe it should necessarily go away because you should always be driving demand. You should always be creating that avenue to bring in net new accounts and net new contacts. You're also always going to have hand raisers that come to your website and fill out the contact form. So why would you ignore those leads that are coming in and only look at things through an account-based lens? So I do think that there is a world where both should be running in tandem and that you shouldn't necessarily replace one for the other because they bring different value to the table. Well, sure. Your lead generation is not going to be helping you grow an existing account, at least unlikely to, right? Right. Exactly. It might help surface net new contacts, but for the most part, if you really understand your account inside and out, you know who those stakeholders are. So you look at it through a completely different lens at that point. Absolutely. Hey, you'd mentioned a case study that you wanted to talk about briefly. Is this a good time to talk about a specific account and what you did and what the outcomes were? Yeah. So this is actually a a one to few example that I launched last year. It was targeting a particular industry that we're trying to get into. And this was my first attempt of having truly like ABM centric campaign in market and then having that sales motion run alongside it. So I partnered with two sales reps. We targeted the food and bev industry within those two sales reps. There were 141 total accounts that rolled up to them. We looked at those accounts and we said, okay, out of those 141, which ones are actually in market? 
which ones are showing intent, which ones are showing engagement. Let's narrow that universe down just a little bit. So it's a little bit more digestible for the sales rep to manage and for us to leverage. And this also helped us create that control group. So we went from 141 total accounts down to 32 that were showing intent, showing in-market signals. And the goal was to drive pipeline and new business, and then obviously increase the velocity across those target accounts. So we launched a targeted display in LinkedIn ads in market. Those ran for about three weeks before sales started stepping in with outreach. And that was really to help us create awareness within those buying groups. We targeted everyone from director level and above at those target accounts. And then we used industry specific messaging and imagery in the ads. Those pointed to industry specific content experiences. So content curated for food and Bev and the challenges they're trying to solve. We also had email banner marketing that the sales reps used when they were doing outreach. So the message they were seeing online was also being seen when the salesperson was interacting with them. We launched custom chatbot playbooks and also used direct mail. So from a channel and tactics perspective, that was kind of our mix. And we ran it for about six months. First things that I looked at, like I mentioned earlier, those early KPIs. So we wanted to look at what is our click-through rate? It was two times higher than any click-through rate that we had ever had with our broader stage-based campaigns. Our LinkedIn click-through rate was 4X higher than our typical LinkedIn campaigns. And then we saw a website engagement lift of 34% across those target accounts. And again, having that control group really allowed us to compare apples to apples. We also saw huge engagement metrics within the content experiences that we created. So unique visitors increased, our number of sessions increased, our average session time, number of assets viewed, all of those were trending into the right direction. From that, we were able to gain 33 net new contacts across those 35 accounts. We had five meetings created. And then in terms of full funnel metrics, we were able to increase pipe gen by 129%. Ops created increased by 57%. Ops one increased by 100%. Our deal velocity increased by 122%. I mean, triple digit numbers across the board. At the end of the day, we were able to win just under $75,000 in close one revenue within the first six months of this campaign. So really, really incredible start. And again, using that pilot program and using those sales friendlies to help drive this forward was definitely key in showing the success and getting other people on board with it. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing so much there. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of um, course. Tell me about the future. Like, what are you planning? How will ABX continue to expand at Bizarre Voice? What's next? Yeah, so we're definitely leaning more into the one-to-one side of things, really looking at our book of business in terms of our current customer base, where we have white space opportunity. Bizarre Voice was fortunate enough to acquire two new companies over the last three years. So we have new service offerings that we can use to really expand and grow these current accounts. And we really want to make sure that we're providing and being the best partner for our current customer base. So definitely making the switch to look at things more so from the customer lens while still having the acquisition plays in market, but really doubling down on how do we really grow our customer base and get them to lean into those holistic UGC strategies that we can bring to the table for them. So that's the evolution that we're looking at Bizarre Voice, at least in the, the short-term time horizon. Cool. And you 
sort of mentioned there's some technology operating here, but what's the main elements of the tech stack for you guys in this domain? So when I first came on board, we had just Marketo Salesforce. We had sales also super sales heavy on the tech side. Over the last two years, we were able to bring on our ABM tech. So we started with Terminus and then we just moved into a relationship with Sixth Sense. We've also brought on Sigster for the email marketing banners, Sendoso for direct mail, Drift for the chatbot plays on our website. And then we also partner with Path Factory for those curated content experiences. So definitely an evolution from when I started back in 2020. We have a lot more MarTech in place to help support ABM and, and scale. Yeah. So it's interesting that we actually had Helen Baptist of Path Factory on about 10 episodes. Yeah. Amazing. It was a great episode for those who haven't heard it. So you talk about intent data in this space, and I just want to make sure people probably think they know what intent data is, but what are the intent signals you're looking at that make for a, a potential prospect for Bizarre? So- Yeah, great question. We definitely look at if we can bring in a branded keyword. So luckily, Bizarre Voice is an intent topic that we can bring in. So that's great. We also look at anything that is product specific and then broader product terms. So things like user generated content or product launch, things that would indicate that there is a need for a particular solution that we offer. And then the way that we serve that up to sales is we cluster that based on our product grouping. So we can say, okay, if an account is spiking on these 10 terms that are related to sampling, there's probably a pretty strong play here in terms of a sampling opportunity that could be created with the account. And then we also look at competitors, right? Because we want to understand who else has a seat at the table right now in the conversation from an acquisition standpoint. And then from a grown retain standpoint, we want to know what do we need to be aware of going into a renewal? What do we need to be aware of going into a QBR? Who else might they be researching or do they only think of us as a ratings and reviews provider and not a company that can provide social commerce or sampling opportunities for them. So it really helps us identify and validate. We think we have this white space with the account. What is the intent telling us in terms of whether or not there's actually a need for that particular product within that account right now? So lots of different ways that we slice and dice the intent data. That was a really great drill down on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think that's a great place to land our episode. We've talked to the strategic strategic, the tactical, and gone right down into the brass tacks of how you actually parse some of the data that comes through the tools. If people want to learn more about Bizarre Voice or get in touch with you, how can they do that? You can look up Bizarre Voice online, bizarrevoice.com. And I'm happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. So if you just search Jennifer Lieber, you'll see me pop up and happy to connect and, and do a deep dive with anybody that might have questions. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. It was a great interview. For all our listeners, if this is your first time hearing a SaaS Backwards episode, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks so very much. And thank you, Jen.